Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Point and Click Radio, the biweekly computer show here on KZYXNZ. I'm your host, Bob Lawton. Jim Hyde is away tonight, so Bob will be solo coming to you from Ukiah, and no one will be zooming in to join me here. But as always, we'll talk about the latest uh, computer news and topics and try to bring you, our listeners, into the discussion so you can call in and we'll pick each other's brains about what's important with our digital devices and how we get along in today's digital world. The phone numbers are area code 707-895-2448. That's the in-studio line that will get you here, um, 895-2448. And uh, to open up with, I was delighted to see um, Apple dropped an invite uh, for their um, upcoming event titled California Streaming. They always come up with clever clever names for their, uh, um, well, they used to call them keynotes and then they would call them press gatherings. And now with uh, the pandemic and, and social isolation. They're doing it all in video, and they produce these luscious, amazing videos at their spaceship uh, flying saucer campus down in Cupertino. And so everybody's scratching their heads about what they mean by California streaming. This will take place next Tuesday, September 14th at 10 a.m. and uh, Pacific time. And, of course, Jim and I will be covering... Uh, heavily whatever apple announced uh two weeks from tonight when we have another edition of point and click radio uh pundits are betting heavily that the i iphone 13 will drop and apparently they are going to call it the uh iphone 13 uh maybe they're feeling lucky uh but the iphone 13 will probably make its debut and um it's also possible that they will be uh, debuting a new Apple Watch. That would be the Apple Watch 7. And new versions of their AirPods wireless uh, headphone listening type devices. But with a uh, moniker like California Streaming, that would uh, tend to include a whole lot of other digitally related uh, possibilities. Um Apple is going to uh, debut later this month the release of its new Foundation series, which is a uh, Apple TV Plus offering. It's a uh, series based on the science fiction novels by the great late Isaac Asimov, the science fiction writer. He wrote his science fiction stories in the 1940s and the 1950s. And then he stopped writing science fiction and wrote a few hundred other books. He was one of the most prolific authors that this country's ever produced. And then the demand by his science fiction fans got so heavy that his uh, publisher made him an offer uh, in the late 70s or early 1980s, I believe, that he just could not refuse, and he picked up his... uh, his uh, whatever he was using to write then, his laser pen or whatever uh, <laughs> innovation he had, and wrote um, four more books that uh, bracketed the Foundation series, two prequels and two sequels, and a whole bunch of other uh, books. But his uh, stories from the 40s and 50s even stand up now uh, 
70, 60, 70 years later in how prophetic and how um, how futuristic they still seem. They don't feel like some um, sci-fi stories that are really, um, you know, anachronistic that just don't don't sound like the authors were really thinking clearly. I mean, you can... I'm looking forward to watching the series because I've always been an Isaac Asimov fan. But anyway, Apple TV, to get back to Apple, to get back to what we were talking about, uh, maybe promoting these um, new... Um, offerings on their streaming service uh and they uh, there is a possibility they will announce another promotion that gives you a free year of the apple tv plus service with a uh iphone purchase possibly so um they'll uh oh and the other thing is the other thing you can do is also stream directly from your um, smartphone so maybe they will be improving the ability to stream video from the um, iphone camera app it's possible um but uh there are also rumors of improvements oh and the other thing they'll probably be doing is showing the uh, final release version of the latest version of the Apple software, the ones they've been working on in beta version. So I went to the Apple site uh, on my iPhone and I clicked on the um, announcement for next Tuesday's uh, event and it was, uh, it suddenly took over the screen of my phone and turned it into a uh, augmented reality device and a little Apple logo was floating in the middle of my office <laughs> as I was sitting there looking at it and I moved around and it kind of floated there for a while. If you have an iPhone um, and a good internet connection, you should be able to replicate this just by going to apple.com and looking for the California streaming promotion and then you can experience the clever... They probably spent millions of dollars developing this little well, we used to call them Easter eggs, the things that you would suddenly discover laying there in the grass. Um, it's, it was fun if you have an iPhone. And uh, go to apple.com and click on the invite for next Tuesday's event. You can see the same thing. And it's also possible that Apple is going to be um, uh, rolling out an avalanche of new products. But you know what? Before I keep continuing any further... I need to tell you that support for KZYX comes from our members in the Ukiah Farmer's Market, open every Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon, downtown Ukiah on School Street. More information at mcfarm.org slash farmersmarket slash Ukiah slash farmers dash market. That's a lot of dashes. I'm going to read that over again. Uh, more information on the Ukiah Farmer's Market is available at mcfarm.org slash farmers-markets slash Ukiah-farmers-market. If you can imagine that sitting in your browser, that will get you to there. Or just Google Ukiah Farmer's Market. Thank you for supporting KZYX, and thank you to our underwriters and our members and everyone that supports KZYX. Uh, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Another um, announced products, other announced products that may be coming down the Apple pipeline are um, the new Apple Watch Series 7. Um, it's, 
it got a headlining event last year, uh, but it's possible it might might be announced next Tuesday alongside the um, uh, iPhone 13. But Apple continues to improve their um, watch product at a rate that I consider to be uh, actually actually pretty phenomenal. I don't I think the watch has been out maybe five years or so. And every iteration of the watch adds amazing new features. And it was one of those things that people kind of groaned when the first one came out. And everybody said, what good is that? You know, it's just an expensive toy. You know, you can get a watch at uh, at a big box store for nine bucks. Why would you want to spend three or four or five hundred dollars on a digital watch just so it can talk to your phone and bring up the same reminders that your phone brings up or something like that. And it didn't do much, but now they've added all these health tracking features that for a lot of people is the main reason to buy an Apple Watch. Uh, Jim Hyde and I both have them, and we use them to monitor our health. And um, you can actually take control of a lot of your um, wellness uh, situation by using the uh, biometric monitoring features that are built into the Apple Watch. And I do that all the time. I have to say it's it's probably the reason that um, it's on my arm every day from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed at night. And then I wear it when I sleep too because it monitors sleep tracking and so forth. My only complaint about it is that if I don't remember to take it off and charge it for about a half hour in the morning and take it off and charge it for about another half hour before I go to bed, it runs out of power the next day. So what everybody's looking for is the possibility of a new Apple Watch with a bigger battery and a longer um, battery uh, lifespan before you have to recharge it. That would really be great. It's possible that's going to happen because... Um, they're changing the case design according to the rumor sites. It's going to be a little more squared off on the edges like the iPad and the iPhone devices are now. And it may give um, room for a bigger, better battery. Of course, they'll probably put in a faster chip and make it more uh, high performance. So we're looking forward to that. Um, so it could be that they're going to be closing out 2021 with a whole avalanche of products that they've been been uh, building up to there's rumors that um oh almost everything from the apple pencil to the largest size macbook pro laptop will be getting uh faster processors better uh response from the pencil on the screen of the ipad which will keep up with the new um apple silicon proce processors um a faster version of the Mac Mini, which was the, one of the first ones to get the new Apple Silicon processor when they switched from Intel to Apple Silicon um, last year, bringing out the um, new uh, homegrown processors and, and spectacular performance in these machines. If they put a, a, a better processor, a faster processor in the Mac Mini, it would be like a uh, high-end machine, you know, one you could do serious, heavy-duty um, video editing and audio processing and those kinds of things. So there's a lot to um, look forward on that side. Uh, what's it like on the other side, so to speak? Well, Windows is coming up with Windows 11 at some point, 
And it's going to bring up some burning questions for people who are fans of Windows and PCs. Uh, Microsoft has formally announced Windows 11, and um, they've even announced a release date. I don't have that information right here, but it's the next version uh, following Windows 10, and apparently different enough that it justified a brand new name. Um, and um, it's going to be... Um, um, putting a demand if you're if you're like me and you get as much mileage as you can out of your old computers and devices and just get a, a kind of a kick out of running them and doing what you're used to doing without having to suddenly jump to the latest model and the latest version of everything you might be in for a surprise because um, there's a device in the newer Windows machines called uh, a trusted platform module, a TPM, trusted platform module. And if you plan to upgrade from Windows 10 to Windows 11 when it releases, um, or use the encryption features currently built into Windows like BitLocker, you have to make sure that your device has a TPM chip and what it is, is it's a security chip that's embedded in the modern system that provides a hardware-based, more tamper-resistant environment for uh, storing and protecting your encryption keys and things you would do to increase the security of the device. On Windows 10, you typically need the TPM module to use a feature like BitLocker, the disk encryption program that encrypts uh, the data stored on the hard drive. And what that does is if somebody steals your laptop and pulls the hard drive out of it, they can't just put it in another device and read all the files. It, it has to be done on the device it was uh, encrypted on and stored on, and it has to be authenticated by someone who knows how to, um, to, to legitimately um, authenticate on the computer. But the TPM, the Trusted Platform Module, is not a requirement to install Windows 10 operating system. But with the switch over to Windows 11, it will be. It will be necessary. Uh, and the uh, Microsoft is updating the minimum system requirements uh, and making the TPM version 2.0 a prerequisite not only to configure security features, but to even install the operating system to begin with. So um, there's ways you can check to see if your device has a TPM. I'm not going to go into the details here, but you could just Google up Trusted Platform Module TPM or How Do I Check If I Have a TPM? And that'll tell you if your hardware is up-to-date enough to go ahead and update to the Windows uh, 11 update if you're so inclined to do that. And um, it's probably a good thing to do. Uh, Windows keeps improving their software just like everybody else does. And um, I'm pretty sure that most uh, newer PC-type uh, computers that run, can run Windows for the last two or three, three years, maybe even four years, have had the TPM module um, uh, included. So... Um, 
you can figure that out and decide if you want to hang on to your Windows 10 and your older non-TPM device, or if you have a device with the trusted platform module, TPM, um, go ahead and, and uh, look at what your specs are on your machine and see if you think it's worthwhile upgrading to Windows 11. And we'll follow up on this uh, as the release date gets closer and we get uh, more information about how this how this rolls out. We always kind of check the... Um, comments see what the uh words are coming from the um uh computer gurus and um tech journalists who uh, you know the pundits who follow this stuff and, and report on it a lot of times apple will come out with a new release and will immediately go to a site like tidbits which is a mac uh specialist website that's been going for 30 years and we will wait to they'll they tell us it's okay to update because a lot of times there'll be some little bug that didn't get caught and apple will come out with a 0.01 update for the update they just released sometimes even in the same week so um it's a good idea to just check all the boxes before you decide to go and update uh, and install a newer version of an operating system on your computer you're tuned to KZYX, uh, Ukiah, KZYZ, I'm sorry, KZYX, Philo, KZYZ, Ukiah, and Willits. And this is Point and Click Radio, Bob Lawton, solo tonight, hosting. Uh, Jim Hyde, my radio partner, is away tonight. And we're talking about some uh, possible announcements Apple might make next Tuesday when they do their California streaming event. And you can stream the streaming event live over any of your devices if you go to apple.com. And we were just talking about uh, updates to the Windows operating system. Also, um, we have to warn people always um, about um, vulnerabilities, spam, and uh, phishing emails, and... Um, there's something called an unpatched office attack, and this is again from a warning from Microsoft. This is a new Microsoft Office vulnerability. Now, Office, if you don't know, is the suite of productivity applications, Microsoft Word, Microsoft Excel, Microsoft PowerPoint, and some other um, ancillary programs like Microsoft Visio and a few others that are all part of a suite designed for the modern office. And these documents that are produced have a lot of features that can be implemented, including scripting and macros, which are little mini programs you can incorporate in your document that will automatically do things like a spreadsheet can do automatic calculations and produce internal decision trees with these little bits of automation. And that capability itself makes these types of documents vulnerable to exploits by evildoers uh, who will send them by email to somebody hoping that they click on them and they can do everything from um, send them all of your personal contact email addresses to looking for private data on your computer to um, turning your um, computer into a zombie server sending out email spam while you sleep, things you don't even know. And it's still going on. This has been going on for a really long time. 
but Microsoft is warning of a new office vulnerability that can probably be avoided by continuing to use smart internet practices, namely, and here we go, reciting the chapter and verse once again, don't open untrusted documents. Even if it looks like it's coming from a friend you trust explicitly and it's titled myvacationphotos.zip, you really have to do your homework about any email that you get that has any kind of a file attachment. It can even be something like an innocent text file that can contain some kind of a script or something like that. And sometimes these things can work hand in hand. Sometimes they can um, send out one thing and then have another thing like an email with an attachment that looks innocent activate that. It's, it's pretty... It's, it's pretty serious stuff. It's a jungle out there. Anyway, um, a Microsoft vulnerability researcher reported a new vulnerability to Microsoft on Sunday. The company said Microsoft confirmed the vulnerability in a security update on Monday. They have yet to issue a patch, though Microsoft said it will take appropriate action to help protect our customers. And the vulnerability takes advantage of a rendering engine used by Internet Explorer... Um, and targeting the Internet Explorer engine running within Microsoft 365 or Office documents. If a malicious Office document is sent to you via email, then clicked on and enabled, it could be used to give an attacker control of your PC, and you don't want that. So once again, everybody pay really close attention. Be very careful when you get an email with an attachment. And most of the time when I look at email, I don't even have the email automatically load the images. Because um, if you accidentally click on an uh, email, you could even be avoiding an email and without even thinking about it, accidentally click on it and it opens up in your, um, your mail client and shows the contents of the email and it can be pulling stuff from a third-party server even just sniffing around, even just reporting to somebody that you went and actually looked at this unsolicited email that wound up in your inbox. So it's a good idea to be really, really careful with all that. Other than that, no particular news right now. Um, I'm glad we had a chance to talk about the um, being careful with your email. The other thing is being really thorough about your backups. And... Um, it's always good. We missed uh, International Backup Your uh, Hard Drives Day, which I think was last month. I can't remember. I know that it's always scheduled on a Friday the 13th, the unlucky day. <laughs> I guess they picked that because you don't want to be unlucky with your, with your data. But always try to keep a couple of backups, one on-site that you can put your latest changes to any documents or uh, images that you're accumulating and one that you might put in a second uh, location and switch it out once a week, uh, once a month. But do it regularly so that you have incremental backups near where you work or use your computers or away from where you are so that if some disaster or misfortune or accident or anything strikes, you can have uh, your data safe and sound in a place you know you can rely on. It's Point and Click Radio. I'm Bob Lawton. Jim Hyde is off tonight. Um, we can open up the phone lines if anybody has any questions. I'd be happy to take calls at 895-2448. 
area code 707-895-2448. Give us a call, and we'll try to answer your questions or help you out with your uh, computer uh, activities. 895-2448. It was really actually fun looking at this... um, augmented reality invitation. They've been doing this for a while. Apple has um, sending out uh, little tidbits that you can look at. If you use the Safari browser on an iPhone and go to apple.com and look at their um, invite for the event that's scheduled next next, uh, Tuesday at 10 o'clock in Cupertino, California time, dubbed California Streaming. Go to that site, click on the invitation, and you can tap on the little Apple icon, and it will bring up that icon floating around whatever environment you're in. If you're outside, it'll float around uh, your outdoors. If you're in a room, it'll float around the room. And um, it's really interesting because the invite itself is a, a scene of a mountain lake, you know, like you might have seen if you went down to the shore of Lake Mendocino when there was a Lake Mendocino. And floating over the lake is this Apple logo. And then in in digital letters or numbers, it has 9.14, looking like it's on the screen of a device. And this is one other rumor that's been floating around. It's possible the next iPhone may have an always-on display, like a lot of the um, Android phones have, you know, where at least it shows the time and the date before you even lift the phone and they're thinking that the Apple iPhone might finally be getting with the program and doing that. We have a call. Let's get the caller on before we lose them. Hi. Oh, we can can you turn down no, your I... Hi. Are you Hi. There? Okay. Your radio's down now? Um no, it's off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um hi, welcome to Point and Click. You're on the air. Thank you and thank you for your show. Um, your last show, you were talking about um, iCloud giving you custom domain emails. And you had mentioned that you go to beta.icloud.com. Yes. I went, I went through uh, Brave, Safari, Chrome. Nobody would allow me to um, use that address when I went to my iCloud account and went into the manager tab, it mentioned nothing about these custom domains. I was hoping that you might be able to help guide me better. You know, I haven't followed up on it, but I did do a little bit of research. Um, I'm doing it right as we speak in the the, um, KZYX Ukiah Studio computer. And it wants me to sign into iCloud, and I'm using a Windows machine here. Are you using a Mac or Windows? I use Mac. Okay. Um, I did find out one key feature of this. I thought that Apple was going to gin up a custom domain using their servers and their hosting. But what it turns out is you already have to have a domain registered, which is what a lot of people do. You know, if you have uh, momandpopgrocery.com, you have to get that domain registered uh, t- 
to you so that you can actually use it. And then you can get your email sent to momandpopgrocery.com or whatever and, and set up an email forwarding so that it will work. I thought Apple, the way they described it is you could just go in and get whatever domain you want if nobody else had it. But you actually have to go and register the domain first. Then, if you already have a domain or if you newly acquire a domain, apparently you will be able to, um, to use this uh, custom email service with iCloud. Now, um, I'm not going to sign into iCloud here at the studio, but it did bring, I'm using the Microsoft Edge browser on a Windows PC. I went to beta.icloud.com, and it loaded up just fine. Um, and so um, I'm not sure why it isn't working on, on your setup, but um, if you have a different device uh, to try it on than the one you're using, um you said it didn't work on Firefox, Safari, or Chrome, or Brave, I think you said. Yeah, I normally use Brave. It wouldn't go through, so then I reluctantly tried my other two guys. Yeah. Um, but it wouldn't let me go through that either. And then when I did go in my iCloud account, I went to the account, went to the management, but I didn't see any tabs that correlated with how I can go forward with this process. Like you said, using a domain that's already been registered, mine's two cows, but um, using yeah. a domain to go forward. Yours is registered at two cows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know it's beta. I know it's a little tricky. You might have to do a Google search to see exactly what you're supposed to look at or click on. And you might actually have to sign up and be notified by Apple that it's available for you. You know, you might have to sign up uh, as, as a beta user with Apple before you can actually see what it is you need to do that. And I don't have any, inf I, because I haven't gone any further with it myself, I don't have any more information about, about how that works at this point. So I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry you ran up against a brick wall with that, but uh, we'll get through it eventually, and, I, and, and we'll, we'll get you, if you have a domain already, we'll, we'll get you with, uh, signed up with iCloud at, at some point. Okay. Terrific. Well, I am an iCloud premium. I just can't, couldn't figure out how to get in there and actually achieve this. It just uh, Yeah. And again, it's just it's already beta, so um, you know we'll we'll okay. wait and see. I'll, I'll I'll do some more homework before the next show because I think uh, I do have a, a personal domain and it's for this show. And I would love to get uh, email <laughs> at the show. I could just say it over the air and people could email me. You know, when when we're oh, okay. not on the air. Hey, thanks for the call. 895-2448 is the phone number if you want to call into point-and-click radio. And um, Jim Hyde has the night off. I'm Bob Lawton. And um, there's a little-known genius who helped make the Pixar company possible, and he just came out with a new book, a guy named Alvy Ray Smith, uh, who basically was there at the birth of um, all that stuff that eventually became Pixar films. And he was the visionary who um, wanted real, real movies, like you would sit down and watch in a theater, to be made on computers. And he kind of um, 
fell into the background. He butted heads with Steve Jobs. He eventually left Pixar. Didn't get to be one of the famous rich people who stuck with the um, with the show. I kind of compare him to Douglas Engelbart, who was the person who all by himself came up with the idea of the computer mouse back in the uh, in the 1960s and showed the computer mouse at an event that became nicknamed the mother of all demos and this was back in 1968 when computers you know would put green letters on um, a black screen or worse would output their data onto a teletype machine on rolls of paper Douglas Engelbart came up with the mouse then, and he didn't patent it, and he didn't get rich or famous, and Microsoft didn't have to pay him 50 cents for every Microsoft mouse they sold, nothing like that. Alvy Ray Smith is, is in a similar situation. He helped create Pixar, and the one thing I didn't know until I read this article by Stephen Levy in Wired Magazine is that Alfie Ray Smith came up with the Alpha Channel. Now, if you're a Photoshop user or do computer graphics, you'll instantly know what the Alpha Channel is. If you're not, I'll explain it very quickly. Computers uh, could put colors on screens, and they would do it by combining red, green, and blue light, RGB. Three channels of color that was transmitted digitally and electronically to a screen. So you'd have red pixels, green pixels, and blue pixels, and when they combined, they would make images uh, in color. But um, Alfie kept working on developing the computer graphics, and he wanted to find a way to smooth out the jaggy look uh, that most pixel-based uh, displays would do. And he uh, came up with the idea of having what's called an alpha channel. He named it the alpha channel. It's the fourth channel, red, green, blue, and alpha. And what the Alpha Channel does is it controls the transparency. So when you can bring transparency into an image, you can have images overlapping, and it really helps to smooth out the um, uh, the jaggies that a, a regular pixel-based computer display will produce. And it's also known as anti-aliasing, um, which is, um, I think it's actually a mathematical term, and it means to smooth out a jaggy curve, basically. They use anti-aliasing with audio, digital audio recordings, too, to smooth out the, uh, the rough and grainy sound that um, audio sometimes has. But anyway, Alvi has written a book that's probably been 50 years in, in the making, uh, and it's just been published... And I'm looking for the title of it right now. It's supposed to be a, um, oh, uh, Alvi's written a new book. It's called The Biography of a Pixel. Interesting title. When you think about it, The Biography of a Pixel, what can happen in the life of a pixel? Well, I would want to know that from somebody who helped create Pixar, because that's where they got the name for Pixar from. Uh and he looks at it from a really, really um, interesting perspective. And in some ways, he claims that what comes up on the screen in a, in a pixel, pixel-based existence, is somehow um, 
comparable to the reality we know and live in our day-to-day lives. And he has a good point there. There's a lot of stuff that's happening in pixels that are so incorporated into our lives, we, don't, we just take them for granted. We don't even think about them. We do a, a FaceTime call or a video call with somebody and they're there in pixels, but we're relating to them like they were really there in real life. And so um, the pixels are with us and front and center in a lot of our lives in a lot of ways. And that's one of the things this show deals with to a large extent, is how all this works in real life. I want to read this book really badly. I'm going to have to get a copy of it. Alvy Ray Smith co-founded Pixar, Pixar, a leading figure in the early days of digital cinema, and he's written a new book called The Biography of a Pixel, Alvy Ray Smith. And we have a phone call. Let's see if we can get back on the phones here. Hi, you're on the air. Yeah, hi. Thanks for the show, Bob. Oh, hi. Um, you're, you're welcome. My question. My question has to do with uh, an Android or a phone that's an Android. It's not an Apple. Um, I'm just wondering, I'm curious. I've been getting a lot of phone, well, text messages that are not from regular phone numbers. So it's not people that I know. I don't know who's sending me stuff. Is there some way that they're able, if they, you know, send me a message and I don't know who it is and I don't open it, I think I'm safe. But are, is it possible they're sending me stuff in those messages that I don't open that could be a problem? Well, they'd be more of a problem if you opened them. For one. Okay, so if I open if I open the message, not a, an attachment, just the message itself. Well, um Normally, messages don't have attachments unless you um, send something that can be viewed in the message. I think, you know, you can attach a PDF to a message, and I think you can view it. You can attach, of course, images. People text images to each other all the time. Right. I, I text photos all the time. Well, the thing so is, the thing is, don't feel like the Lone Ranger, because I get those, too. And what I do is I just immediately go and block the sender. And you can uh, you, you can do that by without opening the um, message. I think you can. Um, well, you. I don't know. I'm trying to remember how this works now. First of all, um, your your cell phone has a ten digit number, which is not impossible for a computer to come up with just randomly. So a lot of those messages could just be generated randomly. Other times they could be data that's been harvested or sold or traded or somehow found its way into the black market of people with known numbers. You know, people people do that that are trying to make a living, you know, in their parents' base, right. basement, um, scamming people. Um, but I think that... Um, I'm trying to remember now how you can get to the information... Um, actually, I think you have to open the message to see who the actual sender is and block them. Okay. But a lot of times... Some of them are, are these five-digit numbers, and some of them are with an area code and a regular number. And, and I, I have a number of them. I'm sure a lot of them right now may be political you know, with the with the recall with um, Governor Newsom, uh, I, I got oh, one today you, that I'm just absolutely, you know, it's, I, I started to respond because it was a, 
Yes, on the recall, and I wanted to tell them they're wasting my money. That no, you know, listen, that, that I'm a taxpayer, and I, re, you know, I resent the 280 something billion million dollars that has been spent of our tax money. That's being spent on this stupid recall. Re, um, listen, don't give recall, them, but, don't give them the satisfaction because they will come well, back and bother you again and again. I haven't, I haven't sent it. I started to, and then I stopped myself, and that's why you're on tonight. And I'm going, oh. Oh, what, you know, and, and I really, I'm frustrated because, like I said, some of them are three or five digit numbers, which, you know. Oh, you mean um, this is the one that comes directly from the cell provider, like 586 29 or something like that? Oh, or actually, you know, the problem with it is some of the, some of the providers, my medical providers are using five digit numbers, okay, which here's is what really you do. scary to no, me. No, no, here's what you because do. Because if I don't. Here's what you do. You take that five digit number message. And you turn mm-hmm. it into a contact, and you name it like dentist or doctor or hospital or, you know, the provider. And when that message comes with the cryptic five-digit number, instead of showing the cryptic five-digit number, which will be lost alongside all the other cryptic five-digit numbers, it'll say, you know, Dr. So-and-so. And you can do that. You can, you can actually make those five-digit um, message codes into a contact, uh, and I do that. I get a lot of them from banks and, and credit card companies, and you know, this, my cell phone bill when it comes. Uh, they all started out life as those cryptic numbers, uh, but, yeah. I, but I've converted them all into contacts. And now, when I get a message, it actually says that uh, you know who the sender is, the one that I named. Well, well, the first one that scared me was this. You know, it was a number like that, and it's like. Just checking on you, and I'm like, "Whoa, who are you? I have no idea who you are." That's just checking on me, so I don't know who it is because I haven't opened it. So that's why you know I what I, you know. There's a, a lot of these. I'm ready to I, just delete them all and, I have and, to take, and go on. I have to take a minute and tell you a real quick story and sympathize with you because this is how bad all this stuff has gotten. My son called me uh, uh, last weekend. From a location that was not where he normally calls me from. In other words, it was from a different environment. He has a landline and a cell right. phone. And I recognized right. the ambience of those calls. He was somewhere else in, in uh, I think, a large indoor space using a, um, you know, a handset telephone. I picked up the phone and I heard this voice say, how you doing? And I, it didn't sound familiar. And I thought it was some aggressive telemarketer trying to use a casual, friendly approach. And I said, well, why would you ask me that? And I hung up on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, and then, I mean. I... And then when, when, when I got back in touch, he said, how come you hung, hung up on me? And I said, I, I just didn't recognize your voice. Where you were, were you calling me from? And he says, oh, I was. And he told me the location. And it was the whole, the whole ambiance of that experience and how guarded I am against not letting an unfamiliar sound come in over the telephone. You know, I can tell when they're going to sell uh, sell me a extended warranty for my home or something like that, or or how they can roll all my debts into one monthly payment. You know, I know how to hang up on those guys in a heartbeat. Right. But I right. wasn't expecting this, and it was a real learning experience to hear my own son, whose voice I know very well, in an unfamiliar environment that just made me filter it all out and say, you know, no thanks. Yeah, and and, and I got to tell you, I got one last week that was from a restricted number, but I was expecting a number 
calling from a doctor. So I answered it, which I usually don't, but restricted. I thought maybe it's a doctor. It turned out somebody trying to, you know, tell me it was um, Publishers Clearinghouse, and I just hung up on him immediately. I didn't yeah. even listen to any more. I was like, no, the, you're, but the restricted, how do people get the restricted on their phone? I, I can't remember. I know that there was, there. this goes way back to the days of, of dial-up modems and everything. Mm-hmm. There was a way to turn off uh, call waiting and caller ID and all the things that might interfere with your modem connection when you were trying to get on the Internet by telephone. But um, I think there are things you can do to mask. See, the people that do this for a living, you know, as, as, as gruesome as it must be to try to make your living that way, they have every trick in the book because they can now spoof numbers from your area code, even they're, they're calling from someplace like New Jersey or Delaware. They can make it look yeah. like a 707 number. And they can do all this digitally because the phones now all go over basically what's an Internet connection, you know. Right. So... Right. Um, they're all connecting with the cell towers and everything. So, okay, well, anyway, I just thought I'd ask because I pretty much don't answer stuff. And, and once I've got a photo in my list right now, and I I just need to delete all that stuff. But um, I thought, I, you know, these five-digit things, and they, it, it, I just wondered who gets these five-digit numbers and how do they get them. And um, because... I mean, I have had some medical providers use five-digit numbers, and and generally I try to try to pay attention to my medical providers. But something else that's you well, know I well, I don't recognize. Well, try my try my tip of the week. Uh, next time you get a five-digit number in your in your uh, text messages, tap on the. Um, the button that lets you make it into a contact and give it a, uh-huh. give it a name and then when it comes up it should show the name you gave it rather than the five digit number and that way you'll know it's your doctor or your bank or okay. whoever okay thanks for okay. the call well thank you i appreciate it bob i really do appreciate your show thank you so much bye bye Eight nine five two four four eight eight nine five two four four eight i'm glad i got a chance to give that tip out because i only discovered that recently I would be getting all these five-digit numbers from Verizon for my cell bill, from my dentist for my next appointment, from my credit card telling me what my current balance that morning at 7.03 a.m. would be. Um, And um, I finally just started making them into contacts, and that took care of the problem. uh, At least on my iPhone, I'm not sure about Android, it probably works the same way. Um, because it it registers it in the phone number field as a phone number, it accepts it as that um, that digital code, uh, you know, the the abbreviated code for cell phones. I mean, doesn't Amy Goodman say something about text your uh, text six 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 or something, and you can sign up for Amy's um, text. Uh, daily text uh, heads up headlines or something like that yeah you you can make those um those short uh, digital codes into actual actual contacts and it makes it a lot easier it cleans up your your message inbox uh we got phone calls we got time for a few more phone calls here on point and click radio i'm bob lawton i'm here solo tonight jim has the night off and we've been talking about a whole potpourri of digital issues. Hi, you're on the air. 
Yeah, hi, Bob. Uh, I just wanted to let you know that uh, when you're on the microphone, uh, well, let's see, when you're on the phone itself, I guess you're okay, but when you're on the microphone, you're kind of really scratchy, and I don't know, that's probably something can, for... Uh, you know, I can, uh, hear it, I can hear it in the headphones, and I have to talk to our, uh, our tech guys because um, I hear the scratchiness now. Whenever I push the phone button, it changes the timbre of the microphone in my headphones, and I don't know if it sounds that way going out on the air. Do I sound scratchy? It does. It does. Do I sound scratchy now? Uh, I'm not listening right now. I got oh, I, that's, how would you know? Yes. <laughs> but uh, is it, it's not scratchy coming over oh, the you're, telephone. You're, your voice is scratchy, yes. Okay. Um, it's, it sounds to me like it's clipping for some reason, and it sounds like the circuit in the board may be doing something funky when, when both the phone circuit and the studio mic circuit are open. And yeah, I'm, I'm that's not sure kind of what to, I was thinking, so I guess Rich sure. gets to play with it, huh? Rich gets to play some more, or possibly Eddie, who's closer to the... Uh, oh, Eddie, all right, good. Yeah, <laughs> over here. Anyway, um, any computer topics you want to discuss? Uh, no, I just wanted to let you know that the line was so funky that it just sometimes it gets almost impossible. Yeah, I, I, I kind of deal with it. You know, the um, this is the satellite Ukiah studio, and when 8 o'clock rolls out, I'm hitting the hitting the boogie button to get home as quick as possible. <laughs> okay, all right. But so I, I will, um, I, over the course of the next couple of weeks before um, the next show, I'm going to try to contact uh, Rich and, and see if we can find out uh, what the deal with Good. it is. It bothers me. And I've, right. I've tried all kinds of things, including raising and lowering the volume of the phone call. And as soon as I push the phone button off, the mic will sound clear again. But thanks, thanks for the heads up. All right, man. Bye-bye. Take care. Yeah, and suddenly the phone's off, and I don't sound so scratchy to myself. Well, maybe I'll sound scratchy. Um, 895-2448, if you have a phone call, um, if you have a computer tip that you think other folks might want to know, go ahead and call in. I'm coming up with this stuff all the time, um, and it, it I'm always looking for little tidbits and tricks that make the makes the day go easier, cuts down the friction on... Um, using the devices so I can get back to the real world and the real life that's in between our um, exposure to screens and digital devices and uh, digital connected things like our smartphones, smart refrigerators, smart microwave ovens, uh, smart light bulbs. Any of you using your smart light bulbs now? Any of you walk in the door and say, I won't say the trigger word, hey, trigger word, turn on the kitchen lights. Anybody doing that yet? It's actually getting easier and less expensive and more um, uh, more convenient to do that. And if you um, hate walking in with your armload of groceries and turning on the light switch with your elbow, um, some of those smart home features could probably be be really good. Um I'm not completely invested in them, but I've I've started tasting the waters, uh, uh, testing the waters, and um, it's kind of fun. Uh, I have a smart light bulb that will do a billion different colors, and that's fun to play with for a nightlight because it has a built-in dimmer and uh, change colors. Eight nine five two four four eight. Give us a call if you want to be on the air. We'll be here for a few more minutes. Followed by Radiogram with Jamie Roberts coming from the Philo Studio. Uh, probably, although sometimes I think Jamie uh, pre-records his show. 
Uh, just to recap ton uh, tonight's show, um, there's a rumor that Apple will be unveiling the iPhone 13, the Lucky 13, at their event next Tuesday at 10 a.m. California time uh, called California Streaming. We talked about it earlier in the show. They could be coming up with some new products like phones, watches, AirPods, and uh, probably a whole slew of products they're going to start bringing out towards the end of this year. But it's also possible that because of some of the production problems, supplies may be limited. Apparently, it's hard to get new cars these days because no problem making the cars. There's a shortage of the chips they put in them to run everything in the car. At least that's what I've heard. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. 895-2448 if you want to call in with a question or a uh, comment. And um, again, it's Bob Lawton. Jim Hyde is off. We'll both be back in two weeks uh, for our regular bi-weekly computer show. Um, I am hoping for longer battery life in my Apple Watch. I'm jealous of my friends that have Fitbits whose uh, fitness watches will like run for a week between battery charges. Uh, I have to charge mine twice a day because I wear it for sleep tracking and if I forget to charge it in the morning, then I have to charge it for an hour at night. If I forget to charge it at night, then I have to get up really early in the morning to get the hour of charging in, in the morning. But I love my Apple Watch because of the fitness features, and um, I'm addicted to getting the uh, the count of my um, standing uh, ring, my stand rings closed. It takes 12 stands in a 24-hour period to close the ring. And I do it every day. It's especially important to me because my job, my day job is sitting down in front of a computer and it's nice to um, be able to get up and move around once an hour even if your watch has to nag you to do it. Okay. I think we're going to wrap up for tonight. Thanks to everybody who called in. Um, thanks to my radio partner, Jim, who's usually here with me, uh, but he has the night off. Uh, I really appreciate having Jim as a radio partner. It makes the show twice as dynamic as it would be otherwise. And stay tuned for Radiogram at 8. We'll be back in two weeks with another edition of Point and Click Radio. Signing off for KZYX and KZYZ. Good night, everybody. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolets and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening.